Howdy, and welcome to Episcoags, the weekly podcast of the Canterbury Episcopal Student Center at Texas A&M and Blinn College. I'm Reverend Rich Nelson, your host and the campus missioner here. Uh, we are back in the swing of things this week as we get a new semester kicked off at A&M and get ready to start that new semester over at Blinn. Uh, so we've got exciting things happening, and we want to keep you updated about all of them. So I'm going to highlight some things on the calendar for the coming week. And then after that, uh, you're going to get a play of our, our Bible study uh, from this past week. Uh, when we looked at the topic of the universal Christ. And I'll say more about that once we get to that. So without further ado, here's what's up this week. So the first thing to let you know is this past weekend, we had our Vestry retreat. And we've got a really amazing team of people on our Vestry for this semester, uh, being led by our senior warden, Molly Murphy. And our junior warden, Liz Binger. Uh, so uh, we've done a lot of really good work. Uh, we spent time uh, talking about things that make Canterbury uh, interesting and unique among com- campus ministries. Uh, spent some time talking about our kind of our vision for what it is that we'll be doing over the coming semester. And really kind of getting focused about who we are so that we can uh, live into that more fully and better communicate that out with some new branding and things that we're planning to do over the coming uh, few months. So uh, look for more about all of that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, A couple of things that are coming up for us immediately over the next week. Uh, one is uh, we, we've got our usual uh, list of things, and so uh, please do remember on Wednesday night we've got dinner at 7.30 followed by uh, Eucharist, our worship service at 8.30, and then on Thursday we get back together for dinner at 7.30 and Bible study and discussion at 8.30, or actually 8 to 9 is, is when that uh, lasts, so that on Thursday nights you're done by 9. Um on Sunday, uh, the 26th of January, this next coming Sunday, is our semester sunrise. That'll be at 6.30 here at Canterbury House. This is a chance for us to come kind of uh, bring in the new semester with prayers and music and a fun uh, sunrise service. So come on over for that. And then you can stick around for uh, worship at St. Thomas at 8 if you want. And then uh, Sunday night, we've got dinner and study hall at 7.30 p.m., uh, so that's kind of our usual pattern for right now. Uh, a couple of other things are going to be added in the not-too-distant future. Uh, coming up past that, uh, the week of the 27th, uh, just to make sure that everybody's got this on their radar, we have our Diocese of Texas uh, College Retreat. This is all of the campus ministries across the Diocese of Texas getting together out at Camp Allen to have a great time uh, to pray, to learn, uh, to worship and to uh, just have a lot of fun, but you need to register for that. And if you haven't registered for, registered for that, please do it now. Uh, you can find the link to the registration form in our most recent email newsletter. Go find that thing. Uh, it was sent out uh, last Wednesday. If you need to go dig for it, uh, but find that, click that link, get on over there, fill it out. It's a twenty-five dollar cost. For the entire weekend, lodging, food, and everything. And if that $25 is inconvenient for you, you just let me know and I'll get it covered for you. So uh, you don't want to miss it. 
come on out to a college retreat. Get registered for that ASAP. All right, some other things coming up down the line, but those are the major things that I want to highlight for us this week. I'll give you the new stuff uh, in our podcast next week. And now for our daily bread. As I mentioned, our daily bread this week is a recording of our Bible study that we had last Thursday night over the universal Christ. Uh, So to just set it up a little bit and let you know uh, where you're diving in here is um, it was a Bible study about the origin of Jesus, uh, where Jesus comes from. So it's kind of the Christmas story, but it's not the Christmas story as you find in Matthew and Luke's gospel, that Christmas story that you're really familiar with, the one that has, uh, you know, the baby Jesus in the manger and all of those uh, things. This is the story more from the perspective of John's gospel, uh, where we start, in the beginning is the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. And so we're talking about something that goes all the way back to the beginning of everything. Uh, so to get us kicked off, we watched a video of Father Richard Rohr uh, talking about the Universal Christ. Uh, that's the name of his newest book. Uh, the video, should you want to go find it, and I highly encourage you to do so, it's a great video, is over on a website called The Work of the People. So if you go to theworkofthepeople.com and search for Universal Christ, you're going to find the video. I will let you know the Work of the People is a subscription service. Uh, so uh, in order for you to watch it, you need to subscribe, but... Uh, unpaid uh, endorsement here. I'll say I think it's well worth it. And also full disclosure, I've written some curriculum for them in the past uh, too. But anyway, uh, you don't necessarily need to have seen that video or have read the book to understand what it is that we're talking about. So uh, I'm going to just jump into where we picked up after that video. I will also give you a a bit of a language warning. Uh, We had some language used in our uh, Bible study. An F-bomb got dropped by one of our students, and uh, and I said uh, another word at some later point. So if you're at all offended by those things, um, just know that they're on their way. All right. Hope you all come to the uh, to the study this coming Thursday. It's going to be another really good one. And now we're recording. So, um, so the first thing I want us to explore just a little bit is that um, concept of the cosmic Christ that we just heard in this video from Richard Rohr. The cosmic Christ uh, is is larger than the 33 years of Jesus' life. Remember in John's Gospel, in the beginning, we're talking, we're going all the way back to the beginning of time, and we talk today in the church about being the body of Christ. Now, we talk about two different things as being the body of Christ, and he kind of pointed to one. But can you think of one thing that in the church we point to and go, this is the body of Christ? Okay, not beside the Eucharist. That is one of them, all right? So one of the things that we do is when you come to the altar rail and I give you a piece of bread, I say, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. This piece of bread that I'm giving you is the body of Christ. Now, he mentioned in in the video 
Catholics, Episcopalians, and Orthodox talk about that in a pretty literal way sometimes, right? Something happened to this bread, and it's not just bread anymore. It's now Jesus in some real and mystical way. Here, take Jesus. This is your your bit of Jesus, right? <laughs> okay. Um, other Christians who, of course, they all celebrate uh, communion, but for the most part, a lot of them will just say, it's a piece of bread, and it kind of is supposed to remind us of Jesus. There's different nuances to that, right? But Catholic, Episcopalian, Orthodox, we say, mm, yeah, it's more than bread. There's something, there's something special about that, okay? Lutherans are largely just on the other side of the line when it comes to that. This bread is bread, not anything else. So that's one. There's not a lot of difference between Episcopalians and Lutherans, but that is one for sure. Okay? So the cosmic Christ, larger than history, properly exists within the Trinity, which is an eternal thing. He talked about God as being a verb, a dynamism, a relationship, right? He said the Father is kind of formless. God the Father, the Creator. But then there's God the Son, which took form in Jesus. And then there's God the Holy Spirit, which is the relationship between the two, which we get to participate in. All right. So I guess I want to hit pause there and, and ask you, what, what do you think of that? When you think of, about God, do you tend to think of God in terms of a form? Or do you tend to think of God in more of a form? formless, ethereal, harder to, harder to imagine. Who is God to you? That's a big question, but. Somewhere in between, I guess. Okay. Uh, I've just been hearing, I mean, like, throughout my entire life, I was hearing about the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Trinity, but, like, I've always seen it as it's three different parts. Uh-huh. So I don't see one or the other as, like, each other, I guess. Like, I could say, like, I associate the Holy Spirit with like the form, or, like the formless, and then God as like God aligning with us all. Right. So we do. We tend to, because we're Trinitarians, we speak about God in three different ways: Trinity, uh, three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and we tend to kind of draw distinct lines around each of those. But the mystery is. And yet God is one. And so how do you be both three things and one thing at the same time? That seems... It's always like, when you have a dream and you don't like directly see a person, but in your dream you know exactly who that person is. <laughs> okay. It's like that. Yeah. So you're trying to like explain it to someone the next day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why do you know who this is person? Like, did you see it? Like, no. No. It's like that. But you know. But that. you know. You know. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, for a lot of a lot of the history of humanity, we kind of thought about God really in terms of like the other religions think about God, like, you know, think about like Greek uh mythology and how they kind of personified uh individuals or Hinduism, how they have all these different personifications of God. Um, you know, Christians and Jews largely kind of did that too. Oh, well, God is kind of this big guy with a white beard up in the clouds. I mean, that's our traditional painting of 
of God. Um, um, but what we're pointing to here is something that's larger than that. Um, so some Christians uh, think that if you believe in the Bible, you can't believe in the scientific uh, uh, understanding of how the world came into being. They think that those things are contradictory. So, you know, you'll hear some Christians say the earth is only 7,000 years old or something, and it was literally created in six days because that's what Genesis says, right? There's other ways, faithful ways, uh, to think about creation, right? So he makes reference to the point that science seems to point to the universe being about 14.6 billion years old. All right. And the Earth at somewhere between four and five billion years old. Um, and then humanity comes along at the very end of that period. Right? We know history of maybe three or four thousand years at best. Um, so humans appear at the very last moment. God is extraordinarily patient in this scenario to have gotten to this point. And he says 99.9% of the universe is empty, mysterious, dark space. Who is this God? Well, he says we can think of, we think of Jesus as an incarnation of God, but we can think of all of the universe, in a sense, uh, as, as coming from God as well, right? You know, where did this stuff come from? Well, God created and we tell a story of God creating in six days, but then taking a break at the end because he was tired and said you should too, right? You all know that story. Um, but imagine 3,000 years ago when there was no concept of a million. I mean, today we can talk about things as a million and kind of have an idea of what that might be, though we've probably never seen a million of any one thing at a time, so it's still kind of conceptual for us. But imagine 3,000 years ago where there wasn't even a word for such a thing. So how are you going to tell a story about a creation that took billions of years to get to this point when you have no concept of, of anything even much smaller than a billion? Well, you, you tell a story about in the first day. Well, maybe the first day was billion years long. But that's, that's how you tell a story. If you're trying to tell a story to a kid who doesn't understand the story on your level, what are you going to do? You're going to try to find things that kind of, I don't want to say dumb it down, but in words that they can understand and concepts that they can relate to. Okay. So there's another way of thinking about all of creation that doesn't say science is wrong. The earth can't be 14 billion years and have taken all this time through evolution because the Bible says six days. Okay, how liberal do we want to be about this? Okay, so all this leading up to this point, when it's the main uh, topic of tonight, Jesus, about 2,000 years ago, baby born in a stable laid in a manger. And as Christians, we say, this Jesus is the Christ. All the Christ, all the God in, in the baby. This baby got all the God in one place, right? We can talk about us as having an image of God within us or saying, I see God in nature. You know, I go out into nature and I feel God's presence, you know. Um, 
But as Christians, we point to this baby and say this baby got all to God inside. Um, something special about, about this. So this is the first question that I want to pose and see if, you know, what your thinking is about it. What difference does it make to us that Christ, this kind of God from all time, and the beginning was the word, what difference does it make for us as Christians to say that existed in one human life 2,000 years ago, which lasted about 33 years, and then he was killed? Okay. It's to, so that that child can relate to it. And, and instead of like speaking all these things that the child doesn't understand, that's the point when you say, let me just show you. Mm-hmm. Let me show you. So you're saying that maybe God was kind of, that was God's thinking about Christ in Jesus? It was like... Like why, or it's a question like why did we, why is it important to us that there was a human form of that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because I think before that, there was just this gap, mm-hmm. like a huge misunderstanding. And there mm-hmm. still is, and now there's more for us to yep. go on. Yes, absolutely. I mean, as Christians, we can look at Jesus and go, this is what God looks like. You don't have to, you don't have to imagine it. You can see it. You, we've got this. Tangible. It's tangible. We've got the story. People saw this guy walk around and heard him talk, right? And Jesus, you know, Jesus too kind of pointed to that larger, uh, that larger purpose of who he was, of his life. And he tried to bring God down. That, that's another point that you just kind of brought up. Prior to that point, our thinking about God was that God was very removed, right? God's somewhere up there. And they literally thought that. Right? God's up here. Humans are here. And then there's an underworld. Okay, that's where we get our concepts of heaven, earth, and hell, right? Ancient, old, old concept of the cosmos. Right? The sky was the barrier, the, the dome that separated the heavens from the earth. And God was somewhere up there. And then Jesus comes along and says, you should call God Daddy. Right? Jesus said, call God Abba, which is the, the word for Daddy, essentially. Well, that, was, <laughs> that is not who God is if God is, you know, this removed watching over you, looking to see if you make a mistake. If you do the right thing, you get the rain, and if you don't, you get the drought. If you do the right thing, good things are going to happen to you in life, and if you do something bad, then God's going to you know, punish you and all your family for generations kind of thing. That's a different concept. All right. I should stop talking keep asking the question. Uh, what difference does it make to us that Christ became born in the form of one person, Jesus? Shelton got us going. I think it matters a little bit later down the line uh, when we talk about like, the sacrifice of uh, Jesus dying on the cross. Um, in Romans, it talks about how Christ was, uh, God became flesh, so he could stand in as a, like, a flesh sin offering. Um, I think he was taking the form of our flesh. That way he could, he could destroy, um, take, he could destroy the evil by taking the wrath. Say that last part again. 
I'm sorry. It no, was okay for those of you listening on the podcast. That was <laughs> that was the sound of lemonade being poured into a glass, and nothing else. All right. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. You were saying something even more important than that. <laughs> So there's all of this kind of theological understanding behind what's the meaning of Jesus' death. What difference does that make for us? And that, um, and that God would allow God's self to be killed. I mean, that radically changes our thinking about who God is. Because prior to this time, and really since this time too, our thinking about God hasn't changed very much. God is all-powerful, all-in-control. We can't hurt God except for the fact that we killed him. (laughs) Right? That does fundamentally change the relationship between God and humanity that God would allow humanity uh, to kill him. What's the meaning of that? That God loves us so much that God would allow for that. So we need this person, we need this physical incarnation of God, of the Christ, because not only does he live, but he dies. And that is of monumental significance. Right? Man, those are both really good good thoughts. Other people have maybe not so deep thoughts about things. All right. Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Um, how are we doing on time here? Can you watch that? Oh, we're doing good. It's 8.30, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. 8.43. Uh, we do need to move on. So uh, on the back of this sheet, encountering and falling in love with God. Uh, Richard Rohr says in the video, you can't fall in love with a force or a concept. You fall in love with a person. I mean, you can think of a you can think of something as beautiful, or you know, I love that idea, I love that thought. Um, but as humans, we we fall most deeply in love with other humans. It just seems to be the way we work. Okay? Um, I love dogs. I think they're awesome. Cats are okay, right? Sorry for all you cat people, right? But, um, you know, for me to have the love for, uh, for a dog that I might have for my child uh, requires me to extend and grow my concept of love. There's something about that that, that pushes me to grow. Now, hopefully I can. Hopefully I can get to the point where I love all of creation in that way. But it really helps to start with your own baby, you know, or this person that you fall madly in love with and, you know, want to be everything with, right? If you can, if you can start with that kind of very, very uh, real, very uh, intimate, very deep, 
a sense of what love is. I care about this other person more than, as much more than I care about myself even. That's a jumping point. Okay? So, in order for me to love God without a concept of Jesus is a real, in my mind, I think a real stretch. It's hard for me to love something I've never seen, something I have no... Okay. But he's talking about that. He's talking about the need for us to fall in love with the Christ uh, so that uh, it pushes us out into the outer realms of love. And he doesn't use these two words, but I highlighted them here because I think it's helpful for you to, to know that there are at least words that exist to describe this, even if you don't ever remember what these two words are. Right? There's a difference between recognizing God in all things and recognizing all things as God. Recognizing God in all things is known as panentheism, which means I can look at... at you know, this uh, book, this Bible, and go, I see God in and through this work of Scripture. I can go out and look at a really amazing tree and go, there's something about the thumbprint of God in this tree. I can see God in it. It's a different thing for me to go out and worship the tree, which is pantheism, which is a form of engaging with the divine that some people do you know they're, they're like go up to that rock and that rock is it you know that's the rock that's the thing right okay now we don't as Christians generally encourage that okay even like you know the crucifix or something it's a, it's a symbol right don't worship that thing it's um a lot of Christians do do that. They do it with the Bible. They treat the Bible as if it is God. <laughs> uh, the Bible points us to God. Um, but it is something that points us to God. Don't stop there. <laughs> Keep going to the God. Uh, so. And he points out in Romans 8, he talks about all of creation groaning until it comes into its full childhood in God. Okay. And he points us back to the Eucharist, the bread and the wine. Again, the Catholics, Episcopalians, and Orthodox claim that this bread becomes Jesus' body, this wine becomes Jesus' blood. And so that's the next question I, that I wanted to pose and maybe see if you've got some thoughts about, is how does thinking about the Eucharist in that way inform our thinking about who Christ is? If God can exist in the form of a baby, Jesus the Christ, and then we say, and that baby can exist in the form of bread and wine, what difference does that make in our thinking about who God is if we can go, the bread's got the God? Nice. So say more about that. We, I want to, we serve a God who also serves us. Is that what you said? Okay. Say more about that. How does communion show us that? I think the most you know, basic need that we think of as humans is food. 
And it's, again, God kind of really translating it for us so that we can truly understand in our capacity hmm? the things that he, he will do for us. That's right. And it's like translating it into a language that we can understand. Yep. He's been doing it, but now it's simple. Been doing it and is still doing it. He's still doing it. It's something every person can understand. Mm-hmm. So remember, communion comes from the Last Supper. This is the night before Jesus dies. And Jesus, while he was walking around on earth, couldn't say, you know, we could look at Jesus and go, there's God. But Jesus also recognized that he wasn't going to be around forever. And so he said, when I'm gone, do this instead with the bread and the wine. And in that way, you'll continue to be fed. So what do Episcopalians believe as far as communion goes? Like, okay. I know that Catholics yep. believe in it's literally like the transformation of it becomes Jesus' body and blood. Yep. What do Episcopals believe as far as that goes? That's a really good question, okay. Matt. Uh, and it's hard to say here's exactly the Episcopal take on that because we do allow for some variation in thought about it. Um, But there are, you know, there's fancy church words, transubstantiation, consubstantiation. I'm not going to bother you with the definition of all those things, but we do talk about... (laughs) So is touching this bread literally touching God in that way... Or is there some kind of mysterious middle ground of stuff going on here where, yes, it's bread, but it's also... Okay, so in, in our Christian heritage, which goes back into the, the Catholic faith, you didn't chew the bread. Do you know why you didn't chew the bread? Can you imagine why you should not chew the bread? It was... Because you're, yeah, you're like, you don't bite God, right? You don't chew God up. Yeah. So you didn't chew the bread because you wanted it to dissolve. So you're already like screwing up the whole concept of God becoming more visceral when you start to try to not hurt God by letting him dissolve instead of chewing bread. Right? That's taking it to a super literal level, which kind of seems slightly absurd. But. High reverence, i got to appreciate that. They're like, you treat this stuff like it's Jesus, and you don't chew Jesus' bones up. But that's right? completely opposed to everything we've been talking about, about God becoming more relatable and more intimate Aha. and more human and Thank more eyeable. Right. So why would Jesus give us a piece of bread and say, use this to remember me, if he didn't also expect us to Chew it and swallow it. It's bread. All right. (laughs) For those of you listening on the podcast, uh, that was an f bomb. It just got dropped, and uh, and that's true. Yeah, it's like it is. It's the f in bread. I mean, there's. It's not anything other than that. (laughs) I need to put the. 
I need to click the explicit on this episode now. <laughs> um, yeah, which also means, you know, all the bodily things that happen to all the things you eat and drink. I mean, it, it's as real as that. Maybe, but I don't think that's their intention. I mean, to give Catholics all, you know, every benefit of the doubt here, and remember when I say Catholics, I'm talking about our own Christian history, not like some other group, but all of the Christians come from the Catholics really in the West. Um, it's like you, you appreciate the absolute gift that this is to the highest level, which is why a lot of times they wouldn't even allow you to like take it in your hand. They wanted you to stick out your tongue and the the priest who was deemed worthy of touching the bread could stick it on there. Should we, should we do that next Wednesday? <laughs> All right. Okay. But it is. Uh, yeah. Like, don't. I'll do it. I have, I have done it. I mean, people do. Sometimes in the Episcopal Church, people do come to the rail, and I've had people stick out their tongue. And I'm like, in the body of Christ. We should take a to like a high church. We should. That would be fascinating. It's so different. It is very different. Oh, but we can't take communion there. Yeah. Catholics. But they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't. They don't have to get into service. Yeah, no, I have to get into service because that's how Catholic school kids feel edgy. You should take communion when you're not Catholic. <laughs> 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 All right. So in the Episcopal Church, we say we say that communion is open to all. We love you, brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church. Um, communion is open to all. There's some debate about whether or not you got to be baptized to receive communion. The official stance is all baptized persons are welcome to receive communion. I don't check for your baptism card. Uh, so I've given communion knowingly to people who are not baptized. That's on the podcast now, too. Okay, moving on uh, to this last question. Uh, Christ is in me, and I am in Christ. He talks about the whole, I am what I eat. And so if we talk about this being the body of Christ, and then I take it 10,000 times in my lifetime, or whatever that is, um, at some point... Just as, you know, if I eat too many carrots, my skin turns orange. Is it possible that eating too much communion turns me into something that looks a little bit more like Jesus? That's kind of the hope, right? So that's another part of what we're doing here by repeating and taking communion over and over again is take and eat the body of Christ. It is in you now. Remember, Christ simply means anointed. That's a, a word in a different language. It means anointed. So Jesus is the anointed one. Um, but as Richard Rohr points out, Jesus doesn't intend for it to stop there. He intends for it to be a, you know, something that pushes us out even beyond him to recognizing uh, God in and through all things. He does it really explicitly in Matthew 25, which is like the the culmination, the climax of Matthew's gospel. It's a, a lot of things lead up to this point 
where Jesus goes um, in the final sorting out of things, some of you will say, when did we ever see you? And he says, remember that hungry person you fed? Remember the thirsty person you gave something to drink? Remember that person who was sick and you visited them, that person in prison and you didn't forget about them? Remember all those people that everybody else overlooked, but you didn't? That was me. And then turns to the other group of people and they go, we never did anything wrong to you. And he goes, when you didn't do it to those people, you didn't do it to me. So there he too is really trying to push us. This is the climax of his teaching. He's pushing us to see Christ in the least and lowest among us. We can raise Jesus up and go, Jesus was the, you know, the best of us. And he, before he goes, he goes, and now for the rest of eternity, you look for me in the lowest. Again, taking that huge chasm and conflating it. Call God Daddy. I'm a representation of God. Take the lowest among you. And remember, people got treated like dirt. Another word for that is shit, since it's already an explicit podcast, right? I mean, people were treated like shit, and Jesus goes, you treat them like you treat me. Taking all of this spread out stuff and bringing it back together. It's the reconciliation of all. All those things that got broken apart, us and our relationship with God, us and our relationship with each other, the way that we abuse and, and demean and dehumanize other people. Jesus is about the work of bringing all those things back together in him, in and through him. The reconciliation of all things. Whatever you do to others, especially the least of them, you've done to me. Matthew 25. Uh, Rohr talks about unitive consciousness. That's a term, right? It's a theological term. Seeing the interconnectedness of all things, all people, all humanity, all divinity. Uh, having a unitive consciousness. And then he ends with this really kind of poignant thing. And then we repeated it over and over in history. He said, we kill what we should love. It is the great sin. We kill what we should love, just as we did it to Jesus. And then we turn around and we keep repeating that pattern over and over again. We kill the things that we should love. We kill the people that we should love. Um, you know, we kill the things inside of us. We try to kill the things inside of us we don't like when we should learn to love that part of who we are too. We're broken. No big news flash there, right? Quit trying to hide it. <laughs> you know, accept it. Learn to embrace it. Learn to love even that part of who you are. So the final question that I put down here, and this is uh, going to be it for us tonight, is what difference does any of this make in my daily life then? Okay. To talk about Jesus as the Christ, but the Christ is something that's even bigger than just the 33 years of this one person who lived once upon a time. Christ existed from the beginning of time, and Jesus said Christ continues to exist in the least and lowest of, of the things now. And Christ continues to exist in the church. We talk about the church as the body of Christ. And Christ continues to exist in the bread and wine of the Eucharist. What difference does thinking about Christ in that more 
universal cosmic uh, way change anything about my life, or does it? No, if you got thoughts, I'd be big game for hearing them. At least, like, through my entire life as a Christian, I've always kind of thought the idea of the body and blood of Jesus Christ being, like, turned back into the body and blood of Jesus Christ was just really stupid. That's just, like, how I kind of saw it in the sense of, like, from, like, my point of view. I feel like, from, like, actually transforming back into those things, like, that just never made sense to me. Okay. Like the way that you put it, I think it's very interesting. Like, I am what I eat the body of Christ. And like, we come back, we eat the body of Christ, like, it transforms us, like, more and more, like, into Christ. Uh-huh. I just never really thought about it in that way. It's very interesting. Like, it a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, if we did some kind of, like, scientific study of the bread, yeah. molecularly, I think we'd probably still find it's bread. Yeah. Not human flesh. Yeah. But as a priest up there handling that stuff, I tell you, there's something about this stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I can sense it. Something's happening here. Something changes when we pray as a community. God bless this bread and make it for us, the body. Yeah. And hopefully it, it you know, when, thinking about how does it change my daily life hopefully it helps me have greater respect and love and appreciation for all that is he says you know pollution comes from our misunderstanding about the Christ war comes from our misunderstanding about the Christ because we think we can turn to something and go you're trash like a used up piece of plastic you're trash so I just throw you away a used up person you're trash so I can kill you God is in all things and nothing's trash. You said something about Jesus. He says, if you treat them like you treat me. Uh-huh. You, what I kind of got to this, or from this, was you treat. Hold on, let me get this right. It's, it's like a reversal. So he said, you treat them like you treat me, but it's you treat me the way you treat them. Mm-hmm. And like in daily life, if like how we don't we don't treat Jesus like anything. That's not a concept that like we have because uh-huh. we don't ever like meet Jesus physically in the flesh. And then you know like so well today like me. Okay. So that I can like do him a favor or like feed him if he's hungry. Right. But we do. Maybe I don't meet the right. Yeah. Keep going. I know. But if I live my life the way that this is saying, my daily life, if every person I encounter, I'm treating them mm-hmm. as if they were Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met Jesus, but my call as a Christian is to see Christ in everyone yeah. that I meet. Yeah. Yep. And that's the helpful thing in remembering. Christ is not Jesus' last name, it is a title, right? And so we can talk about those two things in slightly slightly different ways, with different lenses, all right? So uh, 
so that's what I would encourage you to do over the, over the coming week is think about what difference does this make in the way that I think about life, the way that I think about people, the way I think about creation, the way I think about myself, you know, because we hate ourselves a lot, right? Except if I'm also an embodiment of Christ, well, then if I hate myself, then I'm hating Jesus in a way, right? So God doesn't want us to do that. Right, so be thinking about that. Work with that. There's a lot of richness there, so I encourage you to kind of keep keep playing with that and keep digging into it and see what you find. All right. So uh, next week we'll get together. We'll have another kind of independent standalone topic. Uh, in February we'll talk all about sex. Valentine's Day is in the middle of it, so that kind of works. Uh, and then um, after that we'll talk about figuring out what God uh, wants us to do with our lives. And by then, the end of the semester, you'll have all the answers to everything, and you can go off and have a good summer. It's good to hear, yeah. It's a good plan. All right. Uh, bye, podcast land. We love you. That's what's happening this week at Canterbury Episcopal Student Center. We are located at 902 George Bush Drive, right next to St. Thomas Episcopal Church, right across the street from Kyle Field. We invite you to come out and join us anytime you can, or check us out on the web at www.episcoags.org.